Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co host chair is David Brandt of the Associated Press. And the guest today on Talk of Champions is Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach. But first and foremost, it's been a while. I think Tuesday was the last show last week. I haven't gotten to talk about the Mike Bianco development. David Brace is the perfect guy to talk about it with. But first, how you doing, buddy? What have you been up to? Doing well. Just, uh, you know, this is the time of year you knock out a little bit of vacation. Uh, take some time off. Just that I'm old. I just had my 20th high school reunion. Ooh. Um which was fun. I got to see the people I really wanted to see, got to see my good friends. Um, it was a good time. But, yeah, it's kind of a reminder of, uh, you know, my receding hairline. I'm five years away from my 20th. My tenure, I actually organized it, and we basically went to the country club here in New Albany and partied. I got a keg, and we just drank and danced, and it turned into just a sloppy, fun mess. Your 20th is different. Isn't it more reserved? I I want it to be a party, but I got a feeling it's not going to be that way for me. I mean, we had a lot of fun. Like the actual 
you know, the actual reunion was in, you know, like an event center or whatever. And it was, you know, there was a, a cash bar and stuff like that, but it was, it was fairly, you know, uh, nobody was getting too crazy. But then afterwards we all went to the bar and had a good time. So, you know, there was the, there was the party and then the after party. So the, the actual reunion was pretty reserved, I guess, but afterwards we had a good time. It turned into an absolute stupid night on my reunion actually a really country dude and a really fun vivacious girl in our class he ended up getting a lap dance from her it was great (laughs) that your your reunion was different than my reunion there were no lap dances but but that sounds fun yeah it was a fun time not so fun for mike bianca last week what do you make of keith carter deciding not to roll over his contract that sentence right there, Keith Carter decided not to. I'm I'm curious. I I haven't talked to Keith about it, but how much of the decision was his necessarily? Um, I I I am a big believer of not spending money and and betting against yourself unless you have to, or I shouldn't even say betting bidding against yourself. Um, I I think that even though I would totally understand why Mike Bianco would not be happy with this development. I I think it's smart from an Ole Miss perspective, just because that's money you didn't really have to commit to. Nobody is bidding, at least to my knowledge, nobody's bidding for Mike Bianco right now. You don't have a full-time, you know, I I should say a permanent AD. And so I, I think that whoever comes in as the next AD has the job of if for some reason Mike Bianco has a good year or that new AD wants to extend him, you can smooth things over then. But I think right now, if you're old Miss, you have the cover of saying, look, we don't have a permanent AD. You know, it's not like baseball's just been amazing the last few years, even though this year was decent. Like, let's just hold off for a little bit. So I, I think that whoever made the decision, whether it was Keith Carter alone or Keith Carter in concert with a lot of people, I, I think it's smart. I just don't think any athletic department, really, much less Ole Miss, which, you know, maybe has to be a little more careful with funds than some other SEC schools, should be bidding against itself. I just don't think that's money they had to commit to right now. Keith Carter's working and operating as if he's the full-time AD, not the interim. This was a move that I think he had to make, but I've also heard the criticism or the decision was a little short-sighted as far as if you really wanted to make a show of commitment to the fans and understanding their frustration that Mike Bianco hasn't gotten over that hump, then rather than not roll them over and hurt recruiting in some way, if that even happens, just negotiate the buyout to zero, roll the contract over for four years. You can still fire him if you want to next year, if you're still the AD, regardless. I don't know if I buy into that so much, but do you put any credence into that criticism? Is that a better way to go? Or was the non-rollover or deciding not to roll over the way to go? Well, I think negotiations are complicated. I don't know if if Mike would have agreed to zero buyout. You know what I mean? I, I there those types of things are complicated. I, I think that you can always second guess if if that was the exact right thing to do. Um, but I, I think this was honestly as good of a solution as any. It, again, it's you didn't have to commit the money right now. Like I said, I, I don't think Mike Bianco is going anywhere. So, you know, I think this is one of those cases where it's okay to kick the can down the road a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if when a new AD comes in, that's part of their job is smoothing over the relationship, even if it needs to be smoothed over with Mike or you go a different direction with a coach if next year's a disaster and, and stuff doesn't work out. But I, I just don't think that I, I think it was smart. Sometimes the best 
um, the best course of action is to basically not make a decision. And I guess it is a decision not to roll it over, but you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes it's okay just to say, you know what, we're going to, we're in a little bit of a state of flux right now with our leadership. We're just going to leave it right here right now. And, and I think that Ole Miss made a good decision by not doing much. I've read some comparisons to the Andy Kennedy situation, and this is different. And I'll, I'll tell you why Andy Kennedy was offered a rollover, but effectively the rollover was, we could fire you whenever we want to. And he didn't accept those terms. I think it's kind of gotten lost in translation, including by me, that it was straight up the the university decided, Jeffrey Vitter decided not to roll over his contract. It was, quote, a rollover, but it was a rollover in name only. Now, Bill Armstrong, there's this belief out there, including by me initially from everything I was getting, that Bill Armstrong left principally because Andy Kennedy's contract didn't get rolled over, and there was a belief that there wasn't a commitment from Ole Miss administratively for that coaching staff. But Bill was more concerned and more disappointed in Raheem Lockhart getting hired away or getting hired from Jones Community College and paid more than him, and there was an expectation he was going to get a raise and didn't get that raise because the administration didn't add to the assistant coach's bonus pool. So it's different. I understand the whole recruiting concern, but at the end of the day – I agree with you. You have to show a commitment to your fans. And I, I know that Omaha's like getting to, what, the Sweet 16? But only 20 schools, 30 schools at most really care about baseball, college baseball, commit to college baseball. And most of those teams are in the SEC. And if you commit to Ole Miss baseball like Ole Miss has, then you have to get over that hump. You've gotten to six Super Regionals only gotten out of one. So – For me, I think it was the right move to make. I get why Keith Carter went this way. It's interesting to see how Keith is operating. He has got full autonomy to do what he wants as the athletics director at Ole Miss, not operating as an interim. He could have a real chance to get this job ultimately, I think. And I think he understands that, and he wants to make the decisions that best put not only Ole Miss in the best position going forward, but himself as well to show that I can't handle this job. That's going to be interesting to follow the rest of the way. Oh, absolutely. And I think I, I've known Keith for years and he's a smart guy. And I, I think his background in fundraising for the past decade or so really bodes well. Obviously, the fact that he played at Ole Miss and he's well liked also helps. But I think he has the chops to do the job. I'm I'm always interested. I know you say he has autonomy to do what he wants. And, and I do think he has some of that. But you never know external pressures you know, you understand what I'm saying. I, I think that there's always with any job, even Ross Bjork had external pressure sometimes, um, you know, but I, I do think Keith is a serious candidate. And I think what it's going to come down to, and we might've talked about this last time, but, and it's unfair, but I, I think it depends on how the football team does. And obviously Keith Carter has nothing essentially to do with wins and losses in football this year. The staff is already set. I mean, other than, you know, providing, whatever an AD can provide at this point, it's kind of out of his hands. But I think if there's generally a good vibe around the program, I I think with basketball, obviously with Kermit Davis, people feel that's trending the right way. I think baseball's kind of neutral right now. I think the postseason run, you know, made people feel a little better, you know, not too high, not too low. Um, People have real questions about football. And, And if Matt Luke was the right choice and if, if they go, 
three and nine or, or four and eight or something like that. I think it's going to be really hard for Keith to keep the job and through no, no fault of his own, just because there's going to be such a, uh, a feeling that we need to make a move or we need to clean house and we need to go a different direction. Um, but if they go on the flip side of that, if they go six and six or seven and five, and there's a lot of positive vibes around the football program, suddenly that means there's positive vibes around Keith, Keith Carter. And um, I, I think he would be a good choice for it. I, I think he's a smart guy. He understands the inner workings of, of, of the program. Uh, from a fundraising standpoint, and he understands the SEC. I, I think you could do a lot worse than that. He had nothing to do with Matt Luke becoming the head coach of Ole Miss football. Regardless of how you feel about Matt Luke, Keith Carter wasn't really involved with that process. That was Ross Bjork's process. I do think that he is tied a little bit to how f- successful football is. But if Ole Miss isn't successful in football, with the move to not roll over Mike Bianco, if it starts poorly in the fall, then what does Keith do? Does he then make a move with Matt Luke? Does he then switch over to Rich Rod or Mike McIntyre as an interim if they lose to Memphis and then to Arkansas and there's this angst and anger? Season ticket sales are at 31, 32, 33,000. They're down. Chuck Ronsville and the Ole Miss Spirit, the site that I work for, last week reported that across the board, they're cutting 8% as far as what they're spending. If it's bad and if the fans aren't showing up, Does Keith Carter then, as he's shown with Mike Bianco, make a move with his head football coach? And if he does, is he the one leading the search? There's no chancellor. We don't know when a chancellor's coming. We all expect one in December, January, February. But no one knows for sure. So who's operating that search? I mean, Keith could. But if Keith does, who are you going to hire? Because they're going to want to know then, all right, are you my athletics director? And he can't answer that question right now. We'll get right back to David Brandt, but first, real quickly, wanted to tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And I'm not going to take long, but this is a testimonial. My wife's expedition was on its last legs. I was tired of pouring money into a car that I didn't know how much longer it was going to last. So I went over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, called him up first and said, guys, this is what I'm looking for. I'm accepting my lot in life. I am now a van dad. I need a minivan. Brian says, Ben, no problem. We've got the perfect car for you. It was a 2019 Chrysler Pacifica. And I know what you're thinking already. Wait, that probably cost you an arm and a leg. Your monthly payment has to be through the roof. Nope, they fit my budget. I didn't think I could afford that van, but they gave me a good, fair trade-in value for the expedition, and my monthly payment is better than I could have ever imagined as far as fitting into my monthly budget. I show up, it was waiting for me at the door. Mason opens up the door, I look inside, loaded up, leather, Sirius XM radio, Bluetooth, CarPlay, everything I was looking for in a car. I didn't even have to walk around the lot, didn't have to do anything. And it's not just because they support this podcast, it's not just because they sponsor this podcast that they set that up for me. That's the experience it can be for you. So if you're looking for a seamless car buying process, there's no other place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And right now they got deals going on. If you're looking for the car, the truck, the Jeep that fits your family, that's exactly what you're looking for. I was looking for a Chrysler Pacifica. I got it. This is the only place to go. So go check them out. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They're at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. You can give them a call at 662-234-8000. Tell them Talk of Champion sent you. 
No, these are all extremely fascinating questions, and I, and I think you're you're going down a rabbit hole that that kind of has has gone into my mind about exactly how much autonomy does Keith Carter have. It, it is my opinion that there's basically nothing Matt Luke could do short of like getting arrested to get fired during the season. I agree. With I you. just I just don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't matter if they lose to Memphis forty-eight to seven. It just doesn't matter. I I don't think. Keith is going to make that decision. I'm not even sure that he can make that decision, no matter what anybody says up there. Um, I, I think they will wait. If they want to make a move, they will make it after the season. I think they will have an athletic director in place or at least a president in place, uh, you know, because that that those are just awfully big decisions to be flying by the seat of their pants. If, if they start doing that, then I, I think it's going to be. And again, this has this is no reflection on Keith. I, I think he's smart. I think he'd be good for the full time. Yeah, I think but he's if, a candidate for the full time job. Oh, I do, too. But if there's nobody that really knows who's in charge and and Ole Miss starts hiring and firing coaches and spending big money, you know what I mean? Like that could turn into a disaster really quickly. So um, I, I do not think there's a scenario short of something really bizarre where Matt Luke gets fired during the year. Matt Luke's going to be back next year, regardless of what happens, unless there is an arrest or something nuts like you mentioned. If he gets arrested, yeah. But other than that, he would really have to fall on his face in some right. elaborate, it would have to be crazy like a, way. It'd have to be a 2-10 and ten situation like Houston Nut. Yeah, where you have there. to do it. There's no right. way to avoid it. But I right. think other than that, he'll be back. Um, it is interesting to watch because Ole Miss has a void of leadership right now as far as no chancellor, no athletics director, at least on a full-time basis. And Keith Carter seems to be taking that on and embracing that. And this university needs it. And it's it helps that it's someone that everyone knows that has a relationship with him, not just media, but the fans as well. The fans know Keith Carter. He's been out there raising money. He's a face that they can – put to the words that he's speaking. So I, I think that Keith is actually doing as far as what Ole Miss needs from a leadership standpoint, doing what needs to be done. Somebody needs to step up and say, I'm going to run this. I'm going to take care of this. Larry Sparks on an interim basis, his chancellor has been fine, but no one's really heard from him. So Keith's filling a void that's there. And Ole Miss needs that right now. I think that goes without saying this university has just been in disarray for so long, he's staying the course with this. Ross Bjork's gone. Jeffrey Vitter is gone. So having Keith there to at least be the public face and operate this thing as close to normal as possible without the leadership in place, I think that matters. Do you think that matters? Oh, absolutely. I, I think leadership matters. And I think Keith is a very good, level-headed He's perfect because it's a mutually beneficial thing. Obviously, this is a great opportunity for Keith. He's, what, 42 years old, in charge of an SEC athletic department. Man, that getting, makes me feel old, dude. Yeah, I mean, getting to show he has the chops to 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 run an athletic program at, at you know just about the highest level possible. So it's a big opportunity for him, and I think it's a good opportunity for Ole Miss because I think Keith – We'll take the opportunity seriously. Again, I, I think he's a real level-headed, smart guy that understands the money aspect and is not just, you know, coming in as just this former athlete to shake things up. I mean, he's he's got that part of him too, but he understands the way an athletic department works. So I, I think it is not ideal, obviously, to have an interim chancellor and an interim athletic director. That's just 
you know, no one would draw it up that way. But I think from an athletic director perspective, if you've got to have an interim, I, I think Keith Carter's a really, really good person to have right now. I, I don't think Ole Miss could do much better. What should the expectation be for Ole Miss baseball year in and year out? Oh, I, I think you ought to be in position most years to to compete and go to Omaha, uh, which really Ole Miss has done. The problem is they just haven't gotten to Omaha. They that's that's what you would argue is Mike Bianco's best quality is the team every single year. They're they're out of his 19 years. There might have been like two or three where there was just not much hope of, of getting deep into the postseason. There's like 15 or 16 years where you could see that team getting hot and making it to Omaha. The problem is they just haven't taken that next step and gotten there. I, I think that Ole Miss spends a lot of money on baseball. I, I think that there's an expectation that it's about a top 15 program. I think that's totally legit. I, I think that's okay for the fan base to feel that way. And if you feel that you're a top 15 program, I think you feel that at least on average, you should go to Omaha once every about five years, sometimes more, sometimes less. But I think in a 20 year tenure of a head coach like Mike Bianco is coming up on, I think it's okay to expect to go to Omaha three or four times with, with the type of money that they're spending, all these different things. There's, there's no reason that can't happen. And really Mike has put them in a great position to do that, except that he hasn't been able to break through at the super regional level on a consistent enough basis. The bottom line is this, you've been to six supers and gotten out of one. If you've gotten out of three instead of one, you're not going to have this push out there to make a move. I don't know who you go get. What candidates would come to Ole Miss? I mean, Cliff Godwin would of course be, an obvious candidate. I think Dan McDonald is a, a pipe dream. And quite frankly, Dan McDonald is Mike Bianco, except younger. That's it. Um, so if you want Dan McDonald, it's not like he's the end-all, be-all as far as candidates are concerned. But he's got a hell of a job at Louisville. He just went to the College World Series. He's getting paid among the most, if not one of the most uh, lucrative contracts of any college baseball coach out there. So if you want to make a change ultimately with Mike Bianco, you've got to debate who's going to be the guy that you can go get because you got to have that hire in place before you make a move. I don't think you want to get into a baseball search to where you're getting down a candidate three, four, or five. Butch Thompson at Auburn, he would have made sense. He's from Amory, and yet Bush just took Auburn to the College World Series. He's getting paid well. That's his program over there. He doesn't want to follow Mike Bianco. It's a little more complicated as far as who you hire. Now, do I think they could hire somebody good? Of course I do. I think Cliff Godwin would take the job if you offered him tomorrow. But it's not so simple as saying Mike Bianco had done well enough. Let's fire him. Let's go make a hire. You have to – carry this out a little bit further as far as understanding what the marketplace is, who has interest in your job, and have leadership in place to truly make a move. But as far as where it is right now, Ole Miss, I think, or Keith Carter in this respect, did exactly what you need to do. And that's, like you mentioned, put a pause on things and say, let's, let's do it this way. But what candidates would be out there? What makes Who makes sense as far as Ole Miss's job should ultimately Mike Bieko not end up being the head coach at Ole Miss in the next couple of years? You know, I mean, Godwin is an obvious choice like you talked about. I'm obvious. I'm honestly not as plugged into the world of college baseball to know about, you know, which one would make a perfect sense. But just from an overarching standpoint, I, I think that, you know, you hit on something. You can't run a program like if you feel like Mike Bianco's not getting the job done. You can't run a program, especially one that you think should be elite out of fear. You know what I mean? Out of fear, if we get rid of Mike Bianco, we could be terrible. Um, that could happen. But if you feel that the program, you're not getting enough out of it after a certain amount of time, I think it's okay to to try to strive to be excellent, to be, I, I think Ole Miss's ceiling is being one of the top 
two or three college baseball programs in the country. I, I don't think that's uh, a pipe dream. And and so, you know, certainly yeah, because Ole Miss that. is one of the only schools that is really committed. One of the few yeah. elite schools truly committed. If you want to talk about schools that care about college baseball, it's in the thirties, maybe as far as really pouring well, really money into it, really there's what pour money into it. Yeah. Right. 15 teams that have really poured money into it. And you're yeah, not I, one of those teams that gets consistently to Omaha. Right. And, and that's frustrating, but there's also, you balance that knowledge with the fact that if you make a bad hire, it could go South in a hurry. You look, South Carolina's not very good right now. They won two national championships a few years ago. Um, you know, for a basketball standpoint in state, you know, remember Rick Stansberry would get, and that was a complicated situation, but Rick Stansberry would consistently get state to the tournament. And, you know, they decided they, you know, Rick wasn't getting the job done for many different reasons. And they decided to go to a, di- a different direction, which is fine. But then you make a bad hire in Rick Ray and you are terrible for four years. You lose the fan base and they're still struggling to get that fan base back, even though they're pretty good again now under Ben Howland. So there is a risk. I mean, if you get rid of Mike Bianco, there is a risk. Mike is very consistent. They fill that place up quite a bit. They win a lot of games. They usually go to the postseason, and there's a chance they get to Omaha, even though they haven't gotten there many times. So you know what you've got with Mike. If you make a change, there's a chance it could be a disaster. But I, I do think at some point you got to roll the dice, and you need good leadership in place to make sure that disaster doesn't happen. He's David Brandt. I'm Ben Garrett at David Brandt AP. He writes for the Associated Press at Spirit Ben. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OmSpirit.com and a food of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. It should be there. Just search Talk of Champions. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach. Before we get to him, what are your thoughts on Ole Miss football right now, David? Where do you got him? If you had to rank the SEC in football, where would Ole Miss rank right now? I mean, honestly, fairly close to the bottom just because they're, you know, it, it's a year actually where across the league, there's a lot of proven quarterbacks and a lot of guys who've taken a lot of snaps. Ole Miss is obviously young there with Matt Corral. Um, they're just in a state of transition. That doesn't mean they're going to be terrible. I, I just think a lot of people just don't know a lot about them. And I don't know. One thing that that caught my eye, you might have seen this on Twitter. I was reading through the Phil Steele preview magazine, which I, I get every year. That. I think it's fascinating. And the highest unit, like, you know, they have them ranked within the SEC, like quarterbacks, running backs, all that stuff. The highest rated unit within the SEC was the linebackers and the I was kind of floored. I mean, I know they, they bring some guys back a little bit of experience and Sonogo was really good uh, at times last year, but still the fact that if the linebackers are the strength of this team, I, I don't know if that's a very good thing for that's scary. Yeah, that's a little scary. So, but, but overarching, I, I think that we knew like three or four years ago when the NCAA stuff was happening, the Hugh 2019 stuff was, was going to be Armageddon. 2019 was going to be the rough year. And so if you can get out of this year, like six and six or something like that, or even five and seven. And it's somewhat of an encouraging, like if this is the, the bottom and it's just five and seven or six and six, that's not that bad. You know, I I think a lot of people thought this year would be two and 10 or three and nine, and maybe it will be, we don't know. But I I think that's what it's all about. I, I think when you frame programs and how a coach is doing, it's all, you know, balanced within the perspective of what's going on at the time. I don't think anybody's expecting much from Ole Miss football this year. I think six and six would widely be considered decent. Yeah. If, um, if the, and, because the expectation is so low, if they go six and six, 
it's going to be a party and not just six and six as far as the fan base being excited. I'm talking about on the recruiting trail, too. They're doing a really good job recruiting. I think they got the number 14 class in the country right now. So if they win and go six and six, it's just like in that 2012 year, the first year under Hugh Freeze. Yeah, the Birmingham Bowl. Same thing. I mean, can you imagine how much they'd pack out the Liberty Bowl at six and six? Almost fans would go nuts. Before we get to that answer from David, got to take a minute real quick to talk about the Oxford Park Commission because registration for the 2019 fall youth soccer season in the Oxford Park Commission has begun. Cost to take part, just $50. Leagues are for both girls and boys, and they're based on birth year. The season will run August 19th through October 3rd, and all games are played at the state's top-rate facility, FNC Park. For more information, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. You don't want to miss registration. It's only 50 bucks. All you got to do, go to www.oxfordparkcommission.com. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you, for some reason, you were like coming off an egg bowl win or something like that. Oh, and God, even not, yeah. I, I think they, I think they would pack the Liberty bowl. I, I think there would be legit excitement, just like the Birmingham bowl. Didn't they play pit and they won and ended up like seven and six. So, you know, I, I think there is a scenario where Ole Miss can use this, even if it's six and six and, and use it to move forward. So um, it's an interesting year, obviously, you know, for Ole Miss fans that, kind of got used to sugar bowls and, you know, big wins over Alabama. I mean, you know, we're kind of talking small potatoes a little bit, but I I think again, with the perspective of what has happened on at the program, the last four or five years, I I think, you know, Matt Luke has a chance to build some positive momentum. Yeah. Baby steps, man. If you're expecting the sugar bowl tomorrow or in a year or two, you're fooling yourself. You're kidding yourself. I mean, I will give Matt Luke this. I've been critical of Matt Luke, but he's got this program operating finally in a normal fashion. It hasn't been operating recruiting-wise and on the field in any sense of the word being normal in years. It's now his staff and his recruiting, (laughs) and it's now his program. We're finally getting to see what Matt Luke is as a head coach. We don't know that answer, and he's been the head coach for multiple years now, but we don't know what he is, what his program looks like. And it was all these weird circumstances. He felt loyal to Wesley McGriff and Phil Longo. They helped him get the job on a full-time basis. He didn't want to fire them. He should have. I asked him about that on this podcast not so long ago, and he answered it. He felt loyalty to them. And I get that. It's commendable. But as a head coach, you're opening yourself up for criticism, and that's exactly what happened. They weren't good last year, despite – generational talent on offense you go into this year and yet there's this renewed confidence you lost a lot of talent but there's this renewed confidence that Ole Miss can be competitive and compete for six and six even despite looking and hearing from Phil Steele or whoever that there are so many question marks it's strange the optimism that you're reading or hearing amongst Ole Miss fans about what this team could potentially be. Not saying they're going to be seven, eight, nine wins, not even close to that, but six wins, everyone's kind of assuming that that can happen. I believe this team will be a six-win team, and yet I don't know what I'm basing that on, and that's what's bizarre to me. Well, yeah, I mean, this time of year, and and I always, you know, when you're looking at preview magazines, when you're looking at rosters, people default all the time, the predictions to experience. We, we default to what we know. And because college football is such a transient sport, you know, I mean, four years, people cycle through all the time. 
you you kind of go with the the familiar. And right now, Ole Miss, there's just not a lot familiar there. They may have great players. They may have multiple NFL players on the roster we don't that, know. We, that we don't ha- that we don't even know about. Or they may be terrible, but we have no idea. I mean, like the only people that know or even like are starting to have a clue are are in that facility right now. Are Mike McIntyre or Rich Rodriguez and working with them every day. And so, you know, I, I think there is. It's kind of like on the recruiting trail when fans get excited about who you're recruiting, it's, it's the excitement of the unknown. And I, I think that more than with a lot of programs right now, there's just a lot of unknown right now. Like you said, not only just with the talent on the roster, but also how Matt Luke might operate a program with two experienced coordinators in a scenario that's not bizarre, you know, in any other way, you know, they don't have NCAA sanctions. Now there's, there's all kinds of different, he gets to operate a normal program. And so we just don't, you know, it may fall flat on its face. It may be great, but I I think that that, that unknown, that optimism is kind of driving the Ole Miss fan base right now. And I think that's a good thing. And and for Matt Luke's sake, I, I hope he can keep it going. One person who wouldn't know how things are going is Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach. He joins us now on the modern Woodman phone line. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Ole Miss wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler. Football is out of season. It's the offseason. Strength and conditioning program. But just around the corner, it's kickoff. Do you feel it, Jacob? Do you feel kickoff coming on? Uh, it, it's yeah, it, it's kind of getting once uh, you know you feel baseball season starting to wrap up and you start really getting into the heart of this part uh, of the summer. You really start to kind of get that itch, and uh, it's definitely coming fast. We got countdown clocks all over the building, and once it hits less than 100 days, I mean, it really starts to come fast. What's the mood, the vibe over there in the building right now? Uh, I guess you know just excitement. Um, obviously, you know. Going into spring, have a new uh, a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and and I think you know just the familiarity now that it's not all the new, you know, all kind of the the, the uncertainty of learning the offense, learning the defense has kind of gone away, and now it's just kind of diving into the to the heart of the heart of uh, you know what we're going to be uh, on both sides of the ball. So it's a lot of excitement, and uh, I think we're looking forward to it. What about the chemistry between Matt Corral? the wide receivers, the group that you coach, is it developing? Do you see it coming together this summer? Oh, no doubt. I mean, obviously we're limited. Uh, you know, we can't really do anything, you know, when it comes to on the field things with the ball. So that that's that's where that part comes into play. And, and as you know, that's, that's that chemistry that you always hear about and the timing that you always hear about. This is the time of year where that comes into play, where, 
where all the, all those guys go out on their own and they go outside or whether it's in the, in the indoor, they just work on the timing of the routes. And, and the good thing is a lot of those guys worked together last year, you know, obviously the Miles Battles and the Elijah Moores and, you know, the Braylon Sanders were all together with Matt most of the time last year. So they already had a little bit of familiarity with each other. But obviously with the new guys that came in, we have so many new faces that they're really kind of working on that as well. But hearing good things, you know, obviously uh, we'll find out August 1st how far we've developed from uh, from the spring game. But uh, I think, you know, they're, they're working hard. So who are the loudest voices in the room right now? Is it Elijah Moore and Braylon Sanders and everyone else? Or has a player or two stepped up and taken on a leadership role like you want to see them do? Yeah, you know, obviously, um, you know, kind of, wanted Elijah and Braylon to kind of take the reins because uh, they were the most what, most experienced coming coming out of uh, spring ball in terms of playing last year. You know, Miles Battle has done a great job. He's he's extremely smart. You know, again, getting to play in the four games last year, getting that experience, I think, helped him. And I think he's, you know, been able to, uh, to lean on that experience a little bit as well. And he, he just he, – he works his tail off. He uh, – he understands the offensive system that we're, you know, we're trying to get put in. And so I think that helps a lot as well. And, you know, I'm excited as well to see some of these young guys and, and how they take on to it. You know, obviously freshmen always come in a little bit wide eyed, but, you know, I think we got some really uh, talented kids and excited to see how they progress as well. What does a freshman have to do in the summer to come in impress you and show you that maybe they're not dealing with that adjustment that most freshmen have to deal with and is there any player any freshman out there that has so far shown that he could be ahead of the game once fall camp comes around yeah you know freshmen it's changed it's funny uh even since i've gotten into this uh whole field used to get guys in july you know that that was as early as they would get here well our guys are getting here they're they're graduating on friday or saturday and they're reporting on the next monday so they're hitting the ground running. Obviously, we're allowed uh, a certain amount of hours per week to, to install the offense, um, you know, meeting time and, and things of that nature. So we're really getting the classroom time. The one thing I'm just ready to see is who takes from the classroom to the field. And that's the thing I won't know until, obviously, August when we uh, go out for fall camp. But I do feel like that, you know, young guys, if they take advantage of all the meeting time and, and obviously – you know, some guys are going to come in and get extra film work on their own and voluntary, things like that. And I do think those guys love football. And I think that was something I set out for in today's world. You know, some guys get so wrapped up in the recruitment process that they football is the last thing on their mind. It's more about recruiting. Well, I think that's quite the opposite with the group that we got right now. We got a lot of guys that just love football and love to put in work. And it's not all about the the hype of, of the football. It's actually about football and getting on the grass and, getting in the classroom get better so we'll see you know still early too early to tell uh hopefully you know come august first august second I'll, I'll be able to see some of the transition from uh classwork to the field to have a better idea on that so who's made some gains for you in the summer strength and conditioning program uh you know the first guy that comes to mind is uh miles battle um you know he he was uh he tested extremely well i think he ran a uh four four uh Four four seven, if I remember right, laser time, which obviously is is pretty fast when you throw it on a laser. I thought he uh, he, he put up some really good strength numbers in the weight room. You know, Demarcus Gregory has come a long way uh, from his injury. 
you know, he sustained two injuries, and so he kind of was behind the eight ball, um, you know, getting rehab, getting back, to, you know, ready to go. He's having a really good summer, moving really well, um, has really, you know, done well with the offensive system, learning it and, and all that. So I'm excited to see his progression as well. And, you know, Don Perio Drummond, the same. You know, junior college, they don't always, when you bring in a guy from junior college, they're always trying to adjust to the game speed. And and I think he's really gotten comfortable and really was taking, you know, taking huge strides late in the spring. Um, got got really, you know, comfortable uh, as we got, you know, further into it. So I've really seen some good things out of him. You know, he's running well out there in the, in the strength conditioning aspect. He's moving well and, and uh, he looks stronger. His body's changed. You know, just obviously getting on the uh, division one strength conditioning program as well as the nutrition and that aspect. So I think he's he's done a really good job too. And you know, I know that's a lot of guys, but I'm excited about their progression. What can Demarcus Gregory be? We haven't really gotten to see him. He's been injured his whole time he's been here. So when you evaluated him in recruiting, when you saw him in limited fashion last year. What is the scouting report for Demarcus Gregory and what he can bring once he is fully healthy and out there without any restrictions? Yeah, I, I think he, you know, he's a 215 pound receiver. Um, you know, when you're when you're getting guys that kind of size, you obviously want them to. They have to be able to use their body, and and at this level, this league, you know, you're going to see so much man coverage. You're going to have guys in your hip pocket every single play, um, and so you got to be able to use that size and that physicality. Uh, to your advantage, and I do think that's something that that he does really well. Um, it, it, he'll he'll be able to body you up and make that that uh, you know contested catch that that when that running a slant or a dig and that guy's running with you and he can just body you up and make that play. And you know, again, it's unfortunate for him. You know, he was a highly recruited kid that just unfortunately had a bad string of luck there. You know, going into his senior year and tearing his ACL in his spring game, and so. You know, it kind of got, I don't want to say forgotten, but, you know, when you have injuries like that, you come in and then, you know, have another injury kind of get, you know, thrown to the back a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of the progression. So he's almost like a true freshman, you know, going through spring, he was almost like an early enrollee freshman. Um, so that was the first time you really get to see him. And and uh, I do just, you know, as you see a lot more confidence. He, he's, you know, out without, he no, has no limitation, no knee brace, no, nothing like that. And he, he's just been working extremely hard. And, and uh, I really am excited to see how he develops uh, after, after uh, we get into fall camp as well. The offense lost so much. So as a staff, when you look at your roster, who are the known commodities right now? Yeah, you know, obviously, uh, you, know, you start talking about guys like Alex Givens, uh, you know, Ben Brown. Those guys have been have been in the wars uh, every down, every every play. Royce Newman played a big role, uh, you know, was kind of the sixth man, you know, would come in and play guard and tackle. So those guys are obviously uh, are going to be leaned on heavily um, as we replace, you know, Javon and Greg and those guys, you know, Sean. And, and so I, I do think there's a leadership aspect there with those guys. And I think that's always good when you have some, some veterans coming back on the offensive line, obviously we got to replace some pieces as well, but uh, I do think those guys for sure. And then you can't, you know, you can't forget about Scotty Phillips. I mean, he burst on the scene last year and, and had a tremendous season. And, and if it weren't for the ankle injury at Texas A&M, you know, he was probably been a thousand yard, thousand yard plus uh, running back. So, you know, obviously Rich Rod, there's, there's, there's no, uh, disguising the success he's had with with running backs in his system so we'll, we'll lean on him and 
obviously you start throwing guys like Isaiah Woolard and then you talk about guys like, you know, Ely and, and Snoop Connor. And, and I, so I do feel like coach Dix has a, has a good little room right now. It's going to have some good competition and good depth at that position. So those are guys, obviously, you know, you talk about replacing the quarterback and replacing the receivers. So we'll be young at those positions, but I do feel like we got an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to get better as we go through fall camp into the season. So I'm looking forward to their progression. I know it's not your position group, but you're so involved in recruiting. You're one of the ace recruiters for the Ole Miss football staff. So when Jerry on Ely, when you first sign him, the vibe is he's probably going to go play baseball. And then he gets closer and closer to the MLB draft. When did y'all know that it was trending towards school and what can he be? What can the expectation be for a five-star running back coming in? Scotty Phillips, productive dude. Jerry Neely has the potential to be a game changer. When did you know he was coming, and what's the expectation for him? Yeah, you know, kind of going through it. Um, you know, if you if if you listen to him and his family, you know, there, there was always the opportunity. Obviously, it all was based on how well he performed in the spring. Uh, but there. But if you were to talk to him in a private conversation, he would tell you that he, he really did want to play college football, and, and that was something he was looking forward to do. But, you know, obviously when you start talking, you know, the money that, that was being thrown around with, with his pick is, is going into the season, you know, it's obviously going to be a hard decision. But, um, you know, as, as spring progressed and as more and more time went through it, you kind of started getting the idea or the hint that, hey, this football deal may actually work out. And so obviously – um, you know, he, he made the decision based on the information he was getting that uh, that it would probably be best to go go pursue the, the football baseball deal in college. And you know, it, it, he is a special talent. You know, you watched him play in high school and playing uh, at Jackson Prep, and then you watch him go play against the best kids in the entire country at the Under Armour game and win the MVP award. So you knew, you know, we we knew the talent. We just were hoping we would get him on campus to be able to showcase it. But I will say this, just watching him go through drills in the morning, watching him run on the field, I mean, the, the kid's got a different different speed, a different burst. I mean, he is he's a special talent. Um, so, obviously, he will have a role, you know, depending upon how well he picks up the offense. And, you know, that's our, our job as a coaching staff to make sure to get him, you know, get him in situations to be successful. So, he he looks like he's comfortable. Um, but I will say he is a just a, a – quality kid on top of being a you know a quality athlete so I, I do think uh he has a huge future ahead of him for sure when the news came down he's going to be an Ole Miss rebel he's going to play football going to play baseball Ole Miss fans celebrated what was the celebration like what was the reaction like from the coaching staff from you and Matt and everybody else we'll get right back to Ole Miss wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler but first a quick word from Modern Woodman you've walked this path many times before It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. 
Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we were kind of like kids in a candy shop. Uh, you know, he reported uh, He reported before you know the draft. So he was on campus before the draft. And obviously, he went home. Um, to visit with his family and you know they had kind of had like a little private deal with the family as they went through it and and so you know as soon as the draft was over him he was right back here you know he he had just gone home for about about a 24-hour period so we we were all kind of you know you want what's best for the kid you know and if that was baseball you gotta you know it it may not be best for us but whatever's best for the kid is probably what's best but uh, we were we were obviously excited when, when we showed back up after the draft, and, and you know we we just talked to him and he shared us the news that we were full go with football, and uh, obviously that's it's almost kind of a double win. You get him you get him signed, and then you know you hold off some big boys for, to sign him, and then on top of that you get him uh, you know you know that you're going to get him for football again. So it's almost like winning twice. How does it work? Have you ever coached a player like that? That's a dual sport player that goes and plays football, then he goes and plays another sport. How do you balance it? Yeah, you know what? We've had a lot of discussions about that over the last, you know, last year between him and guys like John Rice Plumley and, you know, some other guys that are dual sport kids. And, you know, you, you see a limited amount of that. I mean, guys that come to mind for me and you is probably the Bo Jacksons and the Deion Sanders of the world. And, you know, they were just so special at both. But, I mean, you think about it as kids, you know, you got you got guys playing three or four sports, and they excelled at it. You know, all the way through. And so, I don't know why they can't do it at this level. You know, obviously your, your time. You know, you only have so many hours in a day, so you got to structure it out. You know, where you're able to to do things. But you know, he has access to the building over there. He has access built to the building over here, so you know he can go hit balls or meet with the coaches over there. You know, depending upon their schedule and. You know, again, I, I think if you're a good enough player, a good enough athlete, you find a way to be to, to be good at it or great at it, and put if you put the amount of time in that's necessary. You know, if you don't put the time in, you're probably going to get not get the the same results. But I mean, I, you know, guys have done it for so long at, at the high school level. It just you know you, you do see guys you know here and there that are playing multiple sports. Um, but you know, again, it takes a special uh, amount of time and you know a special kid with the right dedication to do it. Yeah, I wondered if that was a part of the recruiting pitch because the time demands on dual sport players is far different. It's a different animal than high school. It's a full-time job in college. I mean, you're starting at 5 in the morning, and you're not getting back to your dorm or your apartment until like 8 at night, depending on your sport. So when you look at it that way, at the end of the day, don't they ultimately have to choose? You saw it with Kyler Murray. Don't they ultimately have to choose which one they're going to play? And it, when they do, what as a staff do you provide as far as information is concerned to allow them to make the best decision or what you view as the best decision for them? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you give them the opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's – I don't know if there's an exact science to it. Um, you know, again, you, you see some guys, you mentioned Kyler, who excelled at both and then ultimately decides to go the, the football route. But, I mean, heck, he was a – first-round draft choice at baseball, first-round draft choice at football. So it shows you it is possible. Um, but you do, you just, you just, you, you know, you're going to have to take time away. You know, when you, you do finally get home from football, you know, you're going to have to go over there and hit balls. I mean, it takes a special special guy to, to give away his personal time because you don't get very many hours in a day that are free because you don't have academics. You know, you've got to obviously eat. you got to have rest. So there, there is, like I mentioned, only so many hours in a day 
But, I mean, if you give them the opportunity to chase their dreams and, and you know, you let the kids kind of figure it out. Um, and we work together. You know, we have a great relationship with their staff over there, and, and we work together with them. And, you know, because we do have two kids right now that are going to play both uh, between uh, Ely and John Rice. And, and so you just find a way to, to work it into their schedule and that way, but also making sure that they're not, you know, they're not burning the candles at both ends because that can't happen. So you do have to work in some rest time and some, some downtime in there. But uh, I, again, I don't know if there's an exact science to it. I think it'll probably be a little bit of a learning curve for, for all of us. Um, you know, cause this is the first, you know, group. I know there's been some guys in the past that's done it, but I don't know if any guys that are doing it at this current time outside of those two guys. But, um, you know, again, I, I do think it just takes a little bit of a, uh, you know, dedication, you know, a little bit extra dedication, I guess you could say, if you want to be great or, you know, obviously excel at both. I don't know how this turned into a Jerry on Ely podcast, but I've always been interested in one <laughs> other thing here. Um, you mentioned coordinating with the baseball staff in strength and conditioning. Maybe baseball has this idea for what they want them to work on. Football has this idea. Does it fall under one umbrella? How does all that work? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's going to have to be some give and take, uh, you know, obviously, in the spring, you know, when they're in season and we're in all season, you know, he'll move more into their route. But, you know, the good thing is he's not a pitcher, you know, he's an outfielder. So there, there's there's not as many, you know, limitations from the weight room aspect that he'll have to go through, you know, from that standpoint. If he was a pitcher, definitely. Uh, but I will say, you know, we will adjust in the spring and they will adjust in the fall, if that makes sense. So, you know, you just kind of move into to that world. We, I've, I've been a part of a lot of guys that, you know, ran track or did things like that at, at previous stops I've been at. And so it, it's just all about communication. And, and you know, I, the, the strength and conditioning world, you know, those guys, they're usually on the same page. And, and again, they'll talk and make sure that they're putting them in the right situation and, and uh, but again, it is it, it's a little bit of give and take. All right, one of the last things: recruiting's been hot and heavy this June. The calendar's moved up. Y'all have picked up eleven of your sixteen commitments in June. You're so actively involved on the recruiting trail. Does Ole Miss deal in territories anymore, or are you just sent where you're needed? Yeah, no, we're we're definitely still an area based uh, uh, staff. You know, it all starts there uh, because that's if you start going just at your position. You know, a lot of times what will happen is you'll roll into a high school and then next thing you know, there's a ninth or 10th grader there that uh, that's a really good player. And if I'm just going to check out a receiver, you know, I may miss on that, that, that D lineman or that, that corner that they have. So we are going to be an area based staff. Obviously it all starts in our state. Um, and then it goes from there. Um, and so we all have, you know, different parts of the country in the Southeast, obviously uh, that we start at and then, Every every position coach is always going to have a relationship. So you always going to have your your area. Then it's going to go position, then coordinator, then head coach from there. But you know, obviously, it, it's um, you know the, the the system that we have in place with Coach Sidsky and his staff. They do a tremendous job. You know, we're we're going to be on top of it as much as possible. And and you know, fortunately for us, you know, you you're able to get these kids on campus in the in the in the summer. And at camp, and that's where, you know, again, a, a state like Mississippi, where you've got so many kids that play multiple sports and they're doing that, and that their progression is just tremendous. I remember when I was coaching uh, out in California, I mean, I would come out to Mississippi to recruit these kids because you knew their ceiling was so, so high because they're not 
not always just, you know, dialed in on one sport where they're, they're maxed out. There, there's always a lot of growth and development. And, you know, fortunately for us, there's, you know, this state continues to shock you, you know, that we go into it in the summer and, and we got some, some kids that are just blowing it out of the water and performing well, uh, here and com- competing hard and putting up really good numbers. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a really good summer for us. Obviously the dead period is about to hit here soon. So it'll slow down from a, you know, a visit standpoint, but, you know, in terms of the communication and, and all that, that, that'll continue on all the way through uh, fall camp and into August for sure. So uh, excited about this class. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it's always fun to be able to, you know, be back on, on, you know, recruiting terms where we're able to recruit a full number and a full class and, and looking forward to, uh, you know, hopefully keeping this, uh, keeping this momentum going. What's Matt Luke like in recruits home? <laughs> Honestly, I think he is absolutely tremendous. Uh, he, he, he's so personable. Uh, he's himself, you know, the same Matt Luke that you will see in a parent's home or his office is the same Matt Luke you'll see at Walmart or, or Hoddle House or Ajax. I mean, he is the same guy every single day. And I think, you know, people people know he's genuine. People know that he's being honest and upfront and real with them. There's not a recruiting pitch. It's it's real. And I think, you know, parents especially, you know, they see that and they know it's genuine. And, uh, you know, again, I am I, I, I love it. You know, I love when, when I go into an in-home with Coach Luke, it's it's always fun because I learn. I mean, I learn so much every single time because, you know, especially not not just about Ole Miss, but just it, it, just how he carries himself in, in the in home. And you know, because sometimes coaches you never know. You know, sometimes they're gonna try to put the the the, the pipe dream and sell them recruiting and all that. And a lot of times that gets you know gets seen through pretty easily uh, quickly by parents and kids and. I think that his approach is genuine and real, and that's why he has the success he has as as a position coach way before he was a head coach. I mean, he was, he was recruiting lights out. He's one of the best recruiters in the country, and and I think that's why. He's almost wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler joining us on the Chinese Pharmacy phone line. You're a pro. I always feel like I learned something when I talk to you, Jacob. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll talk again. Sounds great. Appreciate you for having me. That was Jacob Peeler, almost wide receivers coach. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Brandt at David Brandt AP. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. I don't know about you, but I want my banking made simple. And I certainly want to trust the people who've got my money. Well, if you're like me, BNA Bank is where you need to go. Maybe you're a student just starting out. You don't know much about personal banking or business banking, loan services. Well, I tell you who does. BNA Bank, be it Mike Staten, Bo Collins, Vance Witt, my buddy Bob Spencer. These are friends of the podcast. Ole Miss fans, sure, but more importantly, they care about you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure that your banking experience is done flawlessly, comfortably, and with trust and respect. With a five-star rating from Bauer Financial and an excellent rating from Weiss Ratings, BNA Bank is recognized as one of the strongest financial institutions in the country. But where can you find them? How about bnabank.com? Or give them a call, 662-534-8171. 662-534-8171. BNA's main office and two branch offices are located in New Albany, my hometown, with another branch located in Myrtle, two branches in Tupelo and Lee County, Mississippi, and one loan production office in Oxford. Where you put your money matters. And the only place to put your money, the only place that Ben Garrett puts his money, is BNA Bank. 
So check them out, bnabank.com, 662-534-8171. There's no other place. They've helped me. They'll help you. Tell them Ben Garrett of Talk of Champions sent you. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Who are the best teams in the SEC in football right now? Alabama's number one, but who's after Alabama? Yeah, I mean, Alabama. You know, there's some years you go, we've gotten so used to it. It's like Groundhog's Day in in the SEC now with Alabama. There's occasionally a year with Alabama where you look at their roster and you're like, well, they're really good, but there might be some inexperience here. Not many of those spots this year. They're really, really good. Um, You know, Georgia's really good again. Um, If I had to pick kind of a surprise team, and and they've been lurking, but Texas A&M has some veterans, and I think it's only a matter of time before Jimbo Fisher gets that going a little bit. Um, It's still weird to me that Jimbo Fisher is the head coach at Texas A&M. I don't think I'm used to that yet. I agree. I agree. It just doesn't – you know, Jimbo is such a big name. I mean, he's won a national title, and it just doesn't feel like – It feels like he's over in a corner. Right. It it just – yeah, I don't – I can't quite explain it like right away, but I agree with you. It, it doesn't feel like he's there yet. And I think it would take Texas A&M playing in some games with national title implications. You know what I mean? Like, like real national implications for it to really feel like that, that, that Jimbo's there. Um, you know, in the East, it, it's, it's fascinating to see if uh, I, I think Georgia's the class of that division still, but where's all the Missouri it, love coming from? Well, I, I Kelly Bryant, you know, I, I think that but it's not like Kelly good, Bryant was very good. He's pretty good. I mean, like, but is he any better than Drew Locke? I mean, I don't know about that. Yeah, if, if you're buying all the Kelly Bryant stock, I could sell you just as easily Matt Corral stock. Both of them have unknowns all about them, but I don't know where well, all the Kelly Bryant has Kelly a little Bryant. more. I mean, he did. He was the starting quarterback at Clemson for a year. Sure. It was pretty good. Yeah. So there's more known about him. I mean, obviously how he fits into Missouri's system. Yeah, but you get but what I mean, I'm saying. As far as talent is concerned, he's, he's, it's not like he's a true proven commodity. He was pretty good. But you haven't seen this track record. It's not like Russell Wilson going to Wisconsin. It's not the same situation here. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that Kelly Bryan immediately makes Missouri like 11-1. and one. I'm saying that when we're talking about sure things, I wouldn't compare that with Matt Corral. Ah, I just, think that's a little bit of a false equivalency. Yeah. But well, that's what no, podcasts I mean, are, David. I understand, and you're entitled to your opinion, Mr. Garrett. But um, I think Missouri will be competitive. I, I think they'll be... You know, anytime you've got a good quarterback coming in, people get excited about it. I still think Missouri is probably a middle of the pack team that goes eight and four and is interesting, maybe wins a big game, but also loses a couple big games. And, you know, you are you end up in the Gator Bowl or something like that. That's that's what I feel about Missouri. But, um, you know, seeing what Mullen does in year two at Florida, that's just a fascinating marriage to me. Um, It's a fan base that wants to win quickly. Um, but but as far as the best teams besides Alabama, I, I think it's Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M. I think LSU's got a lot of talent. It's just I still, even though he's he's proven me wrong in a lot of ways, it's just I, I find it hard to believe that Ed Orgeron yeah. can lead a team to an <laughs> SEC title. But, you know, God bless you, Ed. I mean, he's done a lot better than I thought he would. So you know, The SEC but, is such a strange environment right now. Ed so? Orgeron's the head coach at LSU. Dan Mullen's the head coach at Florida in a marriage that he neither he or his athletics director really wanted, but they're tied to each other apparently for eternity. Matt Luke's the head coach at Ole Miss. Jimbo is taking over Texas A&M. It's strange. It feels weird. It's like there's there's no there's no rhyme or reason for the way things are right now. Well, to me, it just feels like Alabama. Like I said, the weird thing about the league 
is Alabama's been so awesome for so long and so dominant. And I understand Georgia won the SEC title, what, just two years ago. But, you know, Alabama has had such a hold on this league. And there's been a couple teams, you know, Kirby Smart and Georgia, LSU at times. But it, it, it feels stale is not the right word, but you just wonder. It is there was stale. Such a, there was such a golden age in the league from like that 2000 five to 2011 you know what i mean 12 like right in there where florida was jumping up lsu was jumping up auburn was jumping up alabama you know you were you were you truly talked about the parody and how any team could win and how there were multiple top 10 teams you know now it feels like alabama is awesome georgia is right on the cusp of being really awesome and then everybody else yeah you know it, it's just hard to get super excited about it because you know what the right end now. game's going to be it's going to be clemson and alabama right i mean that's what it feels like and, and that's why you need to expand so. the playoffs just for the off chance that one of those teams gets beaten i mean i i have always been a a proponent of the eight team system i, I think just that don't just understand the so opposition to parity in football you don't care about basketball or baseball whatever sport every other sport has true parity in the postseason and yet for football People are opposed to it as if it would be bad if you added more teams into the mix. Oh, I, I think it's just, you know, people don't. And I'm talking about inside the system. I, I think most fans would love an AT playoff. I don't think I, I think if if you polled fans, it would be an overwhelming majority that thought eight teams and you'd would, make would more be money. Excellent. Yeah, well, you'd make more money, but people don't like it when people move their cheese. You know what I mean? Like it, it, when you upset, it's like the, the new uh, recruiting periods and the fact that there's a December signing period. Now it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just different. People don't like, they had their schedule set up. They know what they're supposed to do. They don't want to change it. And I think it's the same thing with the bowls, the bowls, you know, people that's been a very lucrative partnership for a long, long time. People don't really want to change it. Even um, though they but, mean absolutely nothing. Right. Well, yeah. Well, even though, you know, Things change, times times move on, and there's no question that, you know, the the Power Five leagues, if each league champion made it, and then two at large teams and one group of five team, I think that would be awesome. That opening weekend of the quarterfinals that could be on home campuses, two games on Friday night, two games on Saturday, that would be bananas, man. That would be bonkers. Like every TV, you know, you know what I mean. That would be. That'd be the most fun two days of the year, you know, outside of maybe the the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament. It it would be that kind of festive atmosphere, I think. Are we even close to it though? Ten years? Oh, I was I was about to say I think it's probably at least four or five years away, if ever. I don't know. I mean, there's you know, uh, there's there's a lot of powerful forces out there that you know, with money and the NCAA and different things. And, would and you and I be alive if it happens? Oh, I. I think we'll be, football may not exist and we'll still be alive. Oh, there may be something like flag football or oh. something like that. I just think the concussion, the concussion and the injuries. I think that's a I think that's real. I, I think the talent pool is going to dry up. And by the time, you know, I just had my 20th high school reunion. Lord willing, if I lived in my 50th high school reunion, I wouldn't be shocked if football is kind of slowly being phased out at that point or it looks very different than it does today. The contact is a real problem. The head trauma is a real problem. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's a way to, you know, you can make the helmet safer. And I think they've done a marginal job of But you can't protect the brain from constant car crashes. Yeah, I mean, from sloshing around inside the head. It doesn't matter how good 
the shell of the helmet is or, you know, the cushioning. I mean, they they've made it a little better. And and you could teach people, you know, again, I, I think the targeting largely is a good thing. Um, but, you know, as long as there's defense and as long as football is a physical game uh, about imposing your will physically on somebody else and intimidating somebody else, that's a huge part of football still, even in 2019, is making the other like pounding the other team into, you know what I mean, physically imposing your will. And that doesn't mean trying to hurt somebody, but just wearing somebody down. And I think when you do that, there's injuries, there's concussions. And I don't know if there's any way to make football safe. And at the end of the day, I just don't know if that's sustainable for the next 50 years. But we'll find out. Hopefully I'm around to see it. 50 years seems so long. I mean, that's that's pretty long. That made me 82. Yeah, we'll be we'll be I'm not making it somewhere. Yeah, bro. No, I'm not making it to 82. (laughs) There's no way you'll have been to my funeral. I'm not even going to have a funeral. I want to be cremated. Uh, I'm claustrophobic. You know that better than anyone. I'm claustrophobic. This is getting heavy suddenly. Well, it's always funny to me thinking, oh, 50 years from now, I'm not going to be around in 50 years. My daughter can deal with it. Maybe she'll be the commissioner of the SEC. Now, she's very artsy. She doesn't care about sports. She's very artsy. She wants to do the whole musicals and plays and stuff, which I'm all for. Give me that. So she won't have to worry about football. But football in 50 years, well, you're the one that brought it up. It's going to be different. We could be playing flag football in 50 years. I don't want to do that. Who's going to watch that? Before that answer from David, let me tell you real quick about Cheney's Pharmacy. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Chinese pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Something will take its place. I think that, and we're kind of going down a rabbit hole it's not now. Be but, soccer, you know. I, I think for for all of civilization, essentially, we have always liked our gladiator sports. You know what I mean? For a while, it was boxing. For a while, it was you know the Roman Colosseum and all that stuff. I could see it um, suffering a similar fate to boxing. Right, like kind of just going by the wayside a little bit. But you know, but you say that, you know, something like the explosion of MMA, which is way more violent in a lot of ways, you know, than than football or or boxing. I think there will always be the people will 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 thirst for that level of competition where it's just one on one. You know, who can physically dominate the other? I think there's something primal about that. There's something that it, you can gamble on it very easily, like different things like that. I, I just think that that will always exist on some level. I just don't know if it will be through football. It's going to be and, seven and on be, seven and be sanctioned by like universities. I think, you know, I think that's part of the, the weird marriage of, you know, a sport that can, that can truly, you know, I think it's fairly certain now can do harm on some level to, to young people and having, universities of higher learning sanctioning that and, you know, making a ton of money off that on Saturdays. That's the part that I'm not sure is sustainable. You going to go to SEC media days? Yes. Yes, I am. And, and I, I actually do look forward to it. It obviously is like, just stop it. I, I do. I mean, like by the time the 14th coach gets up there and yaps on and on, I mean, like, Yes, I'm, I'm about it feels like that when you've been in a casino for seven straight hours and you like stumble out into the sunlight and oh my gosh, it's like that scene in varsity blues, 
you know, when they walk out of the, the club, club at like six strip in the club. morning. Say it, strip right. club. Strip club. Are you yes. happy now, Ben? Yes. yes. They stumble out of the strip club at six in the morning and they see the sunlight on their faces. And that's kind of how it is at the end of SEC media days. But it's fun. It's the beginning of football. It beats digging ditches, man. I enjoy every minute of it. I'm not going. You're I'm not? Done. I'm done. Oh, that makes me not even for Ole Miss Day? No. Not not the day and back? No. SEC well, media days is dumb and pointless. No. Oh, well, that's that's. I might go to Destin next year. It feels like Destin and the coaches' meetings – have taken over what SEC media days used to be, where you win. Like the effects. Yeah. You got this true exclusive meeting time with athletics directors, with coaches. You got, it was this intimate atmosphere where you feel like people you would otherwise not have access to. You had that access to them. Media days used to be this way until television and the explosion of fan interest in it. And now it's nothing more than a glorified, television program to right. where it's we're now used TV event. Yeah. We're, we're now used as a prop. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I do think if you work around the edges, you can get people. I mean, obviously you're not going to get like Nick Saban off to the side, but sometimes you can get AD. Sometimes there, there is ways that, that you can do a little real reporting, but I do agree. It's largely become kind of a, uh, a caricature of itself. And now you're seeing dudes in the media stand up just to get on television uh, coach, I just want to ask you about uh, just, that's been going on now. That's been going on though for since I've been going. Jim Mashing, years. Yeah, well, there was that, and there's been there's been all kinds of variations on different things. But yeah, some people are up there listening to themselves speak. But and that's been going on a long time. But yeah, the whole like it, it used to be more now that every moment is on TV, and you got to be careful when you're walking behind the ESPN. You know that you're not picking your nose. I think that happened to me one time on the first year. Um, but you, you know, got caught you, picking you, your nose, dude. I mean, I, you know, all the time, but not usually <laughs> on national TV, but I think somebody was like, what are you doing back there? You're behind like fine bomb or something like that. But anyway, who knows what I was doing? Oh, you I was trying probably, to get into a corner. You try to get to a corner and dig for gold. I was, no. yeah, well, I was probably trying to just enjoy some Pepsi and dig for gold for a minute. And somehow I got up on TV. That'll happen. Oh, that's the greatest. The dangers of sports writing in 2019. You know, we used to that, that, you know, that's why I'm not on TV. I'm not particularly good looking, you know, but now we find ourselves in situations where we might be on TV. You can fish for a compliment. I'm not giving it to you. You know that. Oh, I know. I'm not fishing. You know, I'm not that good looking. You understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, because I'm not good looking either. Yeah, I drive a minivan now. (laughs) I'll I'll say it. You're ugly too. That's fine. Yeah, we're both ugly. (laughs) Used to be pretty good looking. Now, yeah, I've lost everything. Well, it's not getting any better, that's for sure. No, it only gets worse. I wake up every morning going, God, what happened to you? Get in the gym. Do something with your life. (laughs) Eat a salad. Yeah, my God, you pale, redheaded, fat. Do something. Do something else. (laughs) That's what my life is now. He's David Brand. I'm Ben Garrett. And then you sit down and play the show. For yeah. an hour. I'm going to play the show for like an hour and then I'm going to go work out, Ben. That's what you're going to do. And then I'll play right. the show for like three hours and then I'm tired. What are you working on right now? Well, I'm mostly just, like I said, I was taking a little vacation, but I, I'm getting ready for SEC media days and, you know, getting kind of my July, August, September, October lined up, see where I'm going, doing all that stuff. It's kind of the, the calm before the storm. This is dad time. This is where you get to be a dad. Well, you get to be a dad and you get I, I think most jobs have a busier time of year and a slower time of year. And this, you know, May, June, early July is usually because I don't do quite as much college baseball. I do when they get to the postseason. But, yeah, it's a, it's a time where you can 
you know, you don't necessarily have to work 60 hour weeks. My summer, whenever the time slows down after baseball, I take my weekends. I told Chuck, I told David, I'm going to not be working on the weekends, which is a novel concept, but I'm taking my weekends. Don't expect anything from me on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, and you know, it going into it, you know, Saturdays are I'm not complaining. Day. It's just what happens. Right. Yeah. It's just, that's just part of the job, but Saturdays are a really big work day. Sundays are usually a pretty big work day too. So between those two, that's just part of it. So when you really, you, you just enjoy the Saturdays when they come, especially the Saturdays, cause those don't happen very often. He's David Brandt. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben at David Brandt AP. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. All right, man. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.